Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Oh, hi. Danny, what are we doing with a podcast coming out in everybody's podcast feed on the weekend? So, yeah, the playoffs and the uh, needle that needed to be threaded for the Blazers to get the three seed and the Thunder to get the six seed actually happened. Yeah. So all so, that talk that we did about the Utah Jazz earlier in the week, just go ahead and throw oops, that out the window. Yeah. So and I've had people like, ah, ha, ha, I told you. And I'm like, really? You told me <laughs> that the thing that was like a 7% chance to happen happened? Yeah. It, it wasn't calm, super calm down. likely. I mean, yeah, we- it was. It was infinitesimally small. In our defense, we did mention that it could happen. Yes, and it also took a Mo Harkless buzzer beater, a Paul George buzzer beater. Uh, there was like five different things that were just absolutely cuckoo. And your but, boy, Anthony Simons. Yeah, Anthony Simons oh. going for a 37-piece, which, you know, bless up. Right. Okay, so I've been giving you a hard time. <laughs> I know we're supposed to be talking about the preview, but before we do that, I've been giving you a hard time. Uh, all year about saying that Anthony Simons has it. And boy, I think I saw it on that last game. The thing that I noticed about him, that kid is fast, man. He is like so quick and he can get his shot off so fast and it looks so good. Yeah. Very exciting future for the Trailblazers. But let's talk about the immediate. Hold on, hold on. I I guess I talk about Simons just a little bit because we're not really probably going to focus on that going forward and we're not going to really touch it on the pod this weekend. So quick on Simons. Simon stands out on, on TV for a couple different things or in person. However, when you're watching him, he's bigger than Dame or CJ, taller, longer. I mean, he's, 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 he's a, he's a bigger kid. So when you see him move on the floor, he looks different. And then you factor in his explosiveness. I mean, that dunk that he attempted where he got fouled across the arms, he tried to dunk the Kings out of the NBA. I mean, there was the confidence level that kid, you could see it build in the game. He was hesitating to make passes early in the game. And then by the third quarter, he's throwing full court one-handed, you know, passes off the bounce to Myers Leonard cutting on the floor, you know, 50 feet away for a dunk. He threw a one-handed left-handed like wrap bounce pass in traffic again to Myers on the cut. And all of a sudden you could just see everything kind of pop. And while as exciting as that game was, while as thrilled as I was for Simons to have that kind of game, but it doesn't mean he's going to explode next year. I just think it's a nice, confident building block to go of, go off of going into next season if for a guy who could potentially and most likely replace the production of someone like Seth Curry on this roster as a cheaper alternative. And we saw some of the things that we've talked about him during the season, specifically his ability to get to his spot and take a shot, his confidence, his athleticism. I think the new thing that people, other people got to see is his playmaking acumen once he got confident. I I was just like I said so impressed with his speed, but also well. so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was just a fun game, and we can we can talk about that uh, another time. But one thing I want we should get to right away is the fact that we just had the uh, honor and fun of talking to former Trailblazer Greg Anthony, who uh, joined us to talk a little bit about the upcoming matchup. 
Yeah, GA obviously is a former trailblazer and all-around good dude. Uh, continues his work with TNT and NBA TV. Hops in, talks with us about how to view this series as a point guard, the match between Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook. I mean, those are all things that you, you take a look at and you go, yeah, a, a peek behind the curtain here. Maybe there's a lot more going on than, you know, what's on the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and roll that interview and then we'll talk about what we heard. All right, now we're pleased to welcome in Greg Anthony, NBA on TV and NBA TV analyst, and of course, former Portland Trailblazer, the Blazers Edge podcast. Greg, thank you for joining us. Oh, man, my pleasure. Glad to be on with you guys. All right, Greg, I'm going to get right to it. And since you're a former point guard of this franchise, I want to ask you about something in particular as you take a look at this OKC versus Portland matchup. When you take a look at the head-to-head between Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook, how do you see this series going between those two guys? I tell you, it's going to be a heavyweight battle. Two guys that are arguably the best at the position in the league. And, you know, I don't think Dame's gotten enough credit for the season he's had. Uh, and I felt like they were a legitimate threat in the Western Conference prior to losing uh, Nurkic for the season. Having said that, this team is still pretty formidable, the Blazers. And as helter-skelter as OKC has been all season, uh, I'd give the edge to Portland. Uh, I, I do think it'll be a challenge for him, but I, I think if CJ can get going offensively, you know, coming back off the injury, uh, if Evan Turner continues to play the way he's played off the bench here, um, I, I do think that this team uh, has the makings to be a team that can advance out of this first round. But, you know, OKC, when they've been great, they've been as good as anybody this season. Unfortunately, they when they've been bad, they've been – they looked like a team that wasn't a playoff team. And, and so you just don't know what level they're going to be able to play at. And, and that's why I think overall Portland's just been more consistent. And that's why I like them. I, Greg, I'm curious as a player, what is preparing for the playoffs like com- prepare, compared to preparing for the regular season? Uh, it, it's a great question. And the reality is it's, there's far more pressure in the regular season. I'll give you an, uh, an example of a game. Let, let's say we played Tuesday night in Chicago, and then Wednesday night we're going to be in Philly. Well, to prepare for Wednesday night in Philly, we'll probably meet for breakfast, and we'll talk about things that they, from a statistical standpoint, they do well. But it's generally big picture, and, yeah, you'll have a few things about what, you know, MB does or, Simmons, and you'll talk about those things, but you don't get in-depth at all. You just can't. You just don't have the time to prepare, not to mention that we're going probably going to have a game Friday as well, right? So you're on a different schedule than the team you're playing against. You don't have the level of preparation, uh, and, and, the, and, and also it just it doesn't have the same value because the playoffs really is what it's all about. So now when you get to the postseason, let's say we're getting ready – to start a series. I'll give you an example from way back when I played my rookie year, my first playoff series. We had our last regular season game was on the road. Uh, we land, I don't know, two in the morning and our video coordinator comes to each guy. We had a, we were all given an encyclopedia sized book of everything that our opponent had done for the entire season, every play, <laughs> uh, every aspect of the play, Every individual matchup you would have, you had everything that that player had done for the entire season, every tendency, 
how many times they shot it going right. When they drove left, if they took more than one dribble, what they did. Like, it, it was wow. it was like basically cramming for the bar. It, it is really intense, too, because you better know everything about that guy when you get in a series. Not to mention now, okay, after game one, we're going to go make more adjustments, right? And with each game, you get to know your opponent better, which actually makes it harder to play against them because <laughs> that's why great players become so important in the postseason because your system in the regular season can help you because I can't prepare for you. But in the regular season, I can take away things that your role players do. I can take away tendencies that some good players uh, have. What makes it, What's hard to take away are the truly great players, and, and that's why in the postseason – the teams that generally have the best collection of talent tends to win out because they're better suited to play against great defense. They're better suited to handle adversity when things don't go well. And that's why if you look at even in the Eastern Conference the last eight years, even though LeBron's teams weren't necessarily always the best teams, he could always get them out of that conference because of his ability. That's a perfect example, Greg, as far as what guys have to look at going into the playoffs. So I want you to to put on your, your coach suit now. If you're Portland and you're looking at the OKC Thunder and you're shorthanded and one of your great players, Yusuf Nurkic, is not there, what are the things that the Blazers have to do against the Thunder to win out in this series? Well, it's going to be a couple things. Listen, OKC is still a terrific defensive team, and they're – incredible in transition. So, one, you got to take care of the basketball. we got to make sure we have quality possessions over the course of, it, of the game because if we do that, we can, we can defend OKC in the half court. We can't give them 20, 22, 24 fast break points. We can't give them 18, 20 points off turnovers. And so those are areas, first and foremost, that we have got to do a good job at. We've got to take away whatever's easy because that's the most important element of postseason basketball. Make everything you do hard, right? Because if you, especially with a lot of young guys, and remember, OKC's got a lot of young players that are going to have to play well for them. So you don't want to give anybody. I don't want to let Grant get a dunk in the open court or Ferguson mm-hmm. and get more confident. So if we can, if we win that battle, that I think that's going to be huge. Uh, first and foremost, I, I think they've got to be the better three-point shooting team. You know, it's not a strength of OKCs, but like most teams, they can get hot, they can get streaky. I think that Portland's a better shooting team. I think that's an area where they've got to win that battle. And then that's what you want to break it down to is, is battle. You also, I think it's going to be vital that you don't allow Russell Westbrook to live in your pain. Uh, as great a player as Russell is, he will settle at times. He will take some questionable shots. Um, and, and you can, if you play great D, you know, because he has such confidence in his ability, he'll settle. And I think that's an area where if, if I'm Portland, we want to make Russell Westbrook a tough shot maker. We don't want to make the game easy for him because he's the, to me, the most important player on the floor from OKC standpoint, because as great as he is, he can also be the guy that really gets them off track, gets them off the rails. Go back to last year and at the sites of game six, took 45 shots. <laughs> in one game. And, and and so, you know, if you can affect him, you affect them. So that would be some of the stuff that I would be impressing upon our team. You know, we don't get out of character. We do what we do. Because those are all things that, that you want to do if you're uh, Portland. 
that, that's kind of who you are anyway. But, but those are the things that I would really focus most in on, especially not having Nurkic, uh, who had gotten to a point now where he was getting in that conversation as one of the best centers in the league. I mean, he had played his best basketball. That's why he was a first-round pick, you know, mm-hmm. when he looked the season. And he had continued to get better. So I, I really, as just a fan, I hated to see him go down because I really felt that this Portland team had a legit chance uh, this year to, to, to get to that conference final. And if you get to a conference final, man, you can you can get to the final. Greg, we, we always want you on here, especially when you're giving Nurkic love. So we're gonna, I'm going to let you get out on this one. We've hit on the stars. We've hit on the game plans. If you're looking at either one of these guys, either one of these teams, you have to pick one player on either side. Who's, who's going to be the X factor to decide this series, not a star player? Who are you looking at the most? Ooh, that's a, a good question. I'm going to go Jeremy Grant for OKC and Alfredo Camino. Ooh. Portland. You just said the magic <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> You just said Terrence's favorite, favorite player in the league right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, those are two guys. They're both long. They're both athletic. And they can both have a huge impact on all facets of the game. And so if, if I think the guy of those two who's the most consistent in the series might ultimately tip the scales towards their team, you know, and, and, and that's how important everybody is because, you know, both teams got some star power. Uh, you know, both teams can defend it. Both teams can get hot from the perimeter, but you, you do have to have an X factor guy who's not a star have a big series. And I think the guy of those two that has the bigger impact on the series ultimately might have his team prevail. All right, Greg, just want to thank you. Tara and I both want to thank you for joining us. Uh, enjoy uh, calling the playoffs. Enjoy. Hopefully you get a chance to, to catch your son at the Hoop Summit. We'll remind everybody at TNT and NBA TV who combined to televise over 40 playoff games, the most of any network, beginning Sunday with a triple header. You can find the one, the only Greg Anthony on the call. Sunday's second game, Bucks versus Pistons, game one at 4 p.m. Pacific on TNT. Greg, thanks again for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Enjoy the playoffs, man. I am pumped. <laughs> All right. That's Greg Anthony, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. So there we go. Uh, it's so nice to get national perspective, but national perspective with a little bit of history in Portland because, uh, you know, clearly he had a lot of confidence in the Blazers going into the end of the season. Unfortunate about, you know, the Nurkic injury, but he really had some good feelings about how well this team has been playing of late. Actually, I heard Aminu and then I just got all warm and fuzzy. You just kind of blacked out. <laughs> yeah. I know he started saying nice things and complimentary things about about Nurkic and how he's becoming one of the best centers in the league and got a little lightheaded there for, oh, somebody else actually notices it? <laughs> yeah, right on. So what are your thoughts on, you know, how he's looking at, like, maybe we start up with the matchup. What are, what were your, what are your thoughts on the matchup between, um, let's, I guess let's start off with the individual matchup like we did in the interview. Yeah, I mean, uh, gee, I hit it spot on. There's certainly the... Uh, some national uh, side eye at Damian Lillard and just not giving him the credit he probably deserves. I, for my first ballot, uh, all NBA, I have Dame over Steph and that's not even a a Dame bias. I just think that's realistically, that's the kind of season Dame's had. I mean, he's, he's been phenomenal. Um, And really as as weird as this may be, I I don't think the matchup between Dame and Russ is going to be the deciding factor in the series. I think both of them are going to go bonkers and they've kind of gone at each other where one has gotten the other 
you know, throughout an entire season. This year, I think Russ has kind of gotten Dame. But a year before, Dame really got into Russ and, and, and kind of smoked him. So I think it's going to be one of those things where ultimately it all kind of cancels out and it's kind of a a, a push. But there was one point, obviously, that, that Greg touched on, and that's the volatility of Russell, of Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was also, you know, it, thinking about all the other players, because obviously the loss of Nurkic and Cantor having to step in and play that role against Adams. Um, but I'm wondering about, you know, Paul George. He's been he spent a lot of the year playing pretty otherworldly. Uh, he was in the MVP conversation. I don't think he really ended the season in the MVP conversation, but um, no. What are they gonna? What are the Blazers gonna cook up to slow him down? You better find something, because realistically, he did more damage to the Portland Trail Blazers than anybody else in the league this year. If Paul George played the Blazers every game this season, he would have been the MVP. <laughs> he was a guy who averaged nearly forty ten and six, mm-hmm. and this wasn't like one game where he went off. He abused them every single game. Well, and to counter that, what did Damian Lillard average? Damian always had good games again even though the team lost i believe damian had some good games didn't he he did but this year was a bit of a down year for him um against the thunder let me pull it back up i just closed the tab you would think i would learn these things Uh, for anybody else out there stat news is a great great tool for this uh verse okc i could just like cut out all the singing part too that, I, I thought everybody liked that. Oh. There we go. All right. So in, in, in the four games combined, Daniel Lillard averaged 35, 8, and 4. So, yeah, Ooh, whoop, not too bad. Yeah, he had one game in there that wasn't great. Uh, we had one that wasn't great, and he still ended up with 35. I think we're doing pretty well. Anyway, my, yes. my point is that uh, – and I think our point is is that uh, Damien is not – the uh the person that we're most concerned with <laughs> he's no um, he's not um what we're worried about but actually you know i've been thinking about this whole thing holistically because in my mind i wasn't excited about any of the potential matchups um although i'm a little more i think that okc matchup uh, in my book is a little bit more entertaining um and has a little bit more entertainment value to me but here's if by entertainment I... you value most likely to kill somebody value yes <laughs> Here's why I think that the Blazers are um, not in a terrible position. First of all, they have been waiting all year for the postseason. They needed to just get through this because they have not forgotten, even though, you know, they might have said that they were, you know, playing to, you know, get through the regular season. You know that they never forgot what happened to them in the playoffs last year. So they've been waiting for this. That was not the attitude that they approached the um the playoffs with, I don't believe, last season. No. Also, um, last season, possibly, I mean, I don't want to put words in their mouth, um, but I know as fans, a lot of us did underestimate their opponent. Maybe a little overconfident, bring on Nola. Right. So, um, <laughs> you know, we knew that they knew that Anthony Davis was going to be a challenge and they knew that Drew Holiday, you know, was a great player. But I don't think anyone sat down and like, you know, shook in their boots worrying about it. Mm-hmm. It was like, OK, Portland um, by the, had the benefit of a lot of things falling into place and they got their third seed. Um, but they still are a third seed and they still have a better, you know, or it seemed like they were a better team than New Orleans. So 
I felt like there it was possible that there was some underestimating their opponent last season. And having been swept by OKC, I don't think there's any chance of that happening this year. So not only um, have they been waiting for it, they're not going to underestimate their opponent. Um, and then finally, like I said last week, I do think that this team right now, even though they're not better than the team a month ago, they're still better than the team a year ago. Uh, Sound like you don't agree with that. I, I I kind of want to, in a sense, that yes, they're deeper and there are other pieces, but well, and their their role players are also performing better. Yes, those are all factually true statements, and I, I am inclined to agree. It's just that gaping hole that is Yusuf Nurkic's presence particularly on the defensive end, is going to be tested here. And if, if you're looking for the silver lining as far as what has historically been Portland's weekend, we, weakness, which is pick-and-roll defense, Stephen Adams is good. Stephen Adams is one of my favorite guys in the league. He's one of those unsung heroes that oh, kind of carries yeah. a team night in, night out, right? I mean, you and I both agree on that. I adore Stephen Adams. But Except he's not – when we're playing – the team's playing against him. This is true. But he's also not going to murder you as the role man. Uh, Rudy Gobert, we talked about in that matchup or the potential matchup. He's in the 93rd percentile, led the NBA in dunks like him and Donovan Mitchell going downhill at Dame and Ennis Cantor was just nightmare fuel. Steven Adams and Russell Westbrook present a different look um, for comparison's sake. You look at at Adams, he's in the 63rd percentile, which is good. I mean, it, it's better than most big guys, but he, it's not. He's not a rim running, just jet fueled, you know, hate machine in the paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's gonna he's gonna be good, but I mean, if you're looking at it, and his Cantor has played against and with um, Adams in practice, he kind of knows some tendencies. The flip side of that is they also know Cantor's. Um, so, so I think it's gonna be a, an interesting chess match how that one goes. And again, we we're talking about earlier the matchup between Westbrook and Dame. Those two guys, I think, in the, in the way they get downhill, I think they're going to kind of cancel each other out, at least in the half court. So I, I think that's if you're looking for those positive things, that's something to look at. But again, I don't know if this team is necessarily better than they were last year. Better prepared, I think, is is, is, is what I would go with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, that talent drop without Nurkic, I think, is more impactful than people are, are – Willing to concede. But do you think Nurkic at the end of the year last year was anywhere close to where he was when he went down? Oh, God. I think, no. there's, a, I think there's a large gap, and I don't think that there is that big of a gap between Cantor now and Nurkic last year. Yeah. So I guess in that— With it, the addition of somebody like Seth Curry regularly hitting his shots, Rodney Hood regularly hitting his shots. Um, you know, I just—I just—I I think, I, I think that— I think they have a good shot, and I'm. It, it's taken me a while to convince myself of that, but I think there's a lot of intangibles at play here as well. And I want to touch on something that you brought up a little bit, where you talked about how you know Ennis Cantor knows Stephen Adams. Do you think there are? Um, how do you think that um, teams who you know players who played against other teams is that a valuable? resource. I mean, is that something that really can make a difference when it comes to some of these extended series like, you know, what we were talking about with Greg Anthony in preparation? I mean, Ennis Cantor knows OKC really, really well. Will that be a benefit to the Blazers? Uh, I'm sure to an extent, but it's not like it's 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 football or baseball where you're stealing signals. Um, like like 
every team knows every other team's signals. That they they know what their sets are called. They know they look like the the things that I think you're looking for from those relationships are the the little things behind the scenes. Like if you want to talk some trash and you know something about somebody's going on in the locker room, a la Kevin Garnett and saying something perhaps about Carmelo Anthony's significant other um, that clearly got underneath Carmelo Anthony's Gracious. skin to an extent. Yeah. There? Well, I mean, heavens to Betsy. Damn. Hey, it, it, listen, it, without Nurkic, the Blazers need a troll. Well, Realistically, I, I, bring people significant others. I, I, I'm not saying that that, that <laughs> should be what they should go to, but I'm just saying that's an example of in 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 the past that somebody has gone to that it has clearly worked. Um, and Cantor was probably a guy that has a little bit of insight into how these guys tick off the court. Um, I don't think we need a whole lot of insight into Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's he's clearly ticking. Mm-hmm. So I'll just leave it at that. But it's, it's things more of that nature um, than anything else. Um, and the other side of this is, and you won't, I guess we're, this seems like a good opportunity to talk about the quote unquote dirty side of the playoffs. Um, the Blazers should, and absolutely positively, like in any other contact sport should test Paul George's shoulder. Oh, I, listen, I mean, no, I, I don't, I understand what you mean. I, 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 I know this, this, this sounds, well, they should play on that side. They should make him catch it on that side. They should make him reach his arms way out. Is that- make him run into screens on that shoulder. You, you, if he's going to be out there and play, you need to test it. And I am absolutely unequivocally not advocating for injury. No way, shape, matter or form. Mm-mm. Knocking on all the wood. Everybody get through healthy, but making him uncomfortable, making anybody uncomfortable. Those are all the things that I think that are, are going to have a bigger sense here kind of going forward in the next, in the first couple of games. I think those are be some of the underlying storylines that carry the narrative outside of the superstar matchups. Well, speaking of uncomfortable, I mean, we've got CJ, we've seen CJ for a couple of games now since um, he returned from his injury. No, Um, what did you, pardon me? No minutes restriction. We got that today. Right. So, so what did you see? Um, you know, do you think, and how do you think OKC might, you know, approach trying to play him if maybe he has any weakness? Yeah, they're going to test him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to crowd him around the paint. Uh, it's only been two games, but CJ has looked better than I anticipated as far as stopping, starting, accelerating, decelerating, willingness to go in the paint. But he's also missed five of his seven layups. And it's a, I mean, that's a small sample size theater, but good God. Um, but there is a, like a lot of people miss layups this week. (laughs) Yeah, certainly. But I just look at that though and go, that that could be a little bit of rust, but it could also be perhaps a little bit of hesitation on taking off on that leg, landing on that leg, those things of that nature. Um, only CJ knows that only the medical staff and the Blazers know that. Um, and they'll probably game plan around that appropriately. If he, if there is still some discomfort or if there is a lingering trust issue, I'm not saying that there is, I'm just saying if there is one, uh, I think they will disguise that as best they can. Um, but it's, I think it's definitely, uh, on the Thunders game plan to make him test that. You asked Greg who you thought his ex or who his X factors were. Are they the same for you, or do you have different players who might be the X factors? Uh, I, I don't want to, to to poop on your parade here, but um, I, I think Aminu is going to play a large factor. But I think that the most pivotal one outside of Damon CJ is Cantor. 
I mean, he's got he clearly has the biggest shoes to fill. Um, trying to step in for Nurkic and be the primary guy behind them, be the primary guy in the pick and rolls, um, having to peel off and, and stay with Steven Adams while also denying Russell Westbrook pressure down the paint and staying out of foul trouble. Like that's those are all very, 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 very high key level elements for me um, that carry more weight than than Aminu uh, as far as the impact that I think he will or won't have. Uh, but on the other side of the ball, I'm I'm right there with, with GA. I think Jeremy Grant is a guy you really have to be uh, wary of. Um, Grant and Ferguson are both high energy guys that I mean, re- let's be realistic. This whole damn team is full of high energy guys. I mean, they're, they're, every one of these guys wants to get on a fast break and dunk on the entire arena. I mean, so you have to be aware of that at all time. But Grant is a guy that that has stepped in and filled in for Roberson admirably. I mean, Jeremy Grant's a phenomenal defensive player. And what's crazy is he may not even be – he's probably the third best defender on their team behind behind Roberson and PG. And PG's getting some defensive player of the year uh, hype. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how, how it goes. And I thought it was particularly insightful as far as uh, who Greg picked, that he went for two guys that – uh, impact the game very differently offensively, but defensively are incredibly active, which, I mean, if you watched Greg in his career, it, it, it makes some sense. That was, that was, he was a bulldog. Focus on defense. As a bulldog, don't get me wrong. G had some offense, but he was a bulldog of a point guard. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing, I'm thinking that, you know, with, with Aminu, looking at Aminu as the X factor, the thing about him, you know, that I will openly admit is the wide variability in his offense. And I think with Cantor, he's more, he's, you know, he's consistent. So he is just as who he's going to be. But if you look at, you know, the variability of playing somebody playing really, really well, or somebody just being not a factor, I think it's more likely that Aminu has a bigger swing for that. Maybe that's, Mm -hmm. maybe that's how he was approaching it. Um, but you talked about the pace of the game. And so I'm wondering how do you think the Blazers try to control the pace of the game, try to slow things down, or do they run it out as well? Because they're not really a fast break team. No. No, I think <laughs> um, they so try to ugly it up. Yeah, no, I think they try to ugly it up. I think they, they go full on 90 series here. Now, the offense is never going to grind to that halt. But let's, let's look, look back over Damian Lillard's career. How often have you really seen Dane push the pace? He is, he is a guy that when there's 10 seconds on the clock and a game is taking the ball in bounds and sometimes kind of slow jogging up the court. Dane plays at his pace, and his pace is faster than you know 80s, 90s era basketball, but it's not like prime space and pace type. No, he's a play. give everybody a chance to set up. Yeah, no, and, and I, I think that plays in favor of Portland because the, the Thunder – uh, what was the stat? Uh, when they force, like, I think it was 12 or more turnovers, they win something like 90% of their games. But if it's 11 or less, that is that is made up for something like a quarter of their losses. Mm-hmm. So while it's not entirely indicative, it's clearly playing in favor of the Thunder to cause turnovers and get out in space and get easy points. And again, that mostly has to do with the fact that their entire roster, save Ray Felton, uh, wants to get out and run. And yes, that's that's Felton slander, and I hope Portland continues to boo and that the playoff boos are even louder. 
Yeah, again, that's another point on the entertainment side of this matchup. Yeah, no, that, that it's like peak Except playoff. Except that Raymond Felton has played really, really well this season. He had the one game where he almost single-handedly won them the game. Right. Him and Deontay Burton, which, yeah. sure, why not? <laughs> well, that brings me to um, kind of like the last question that I had in my list is uh, the bench versus the bench. What do you see in the, the matchup of um, the non-starters for these two teams? Oh, this is where I'm assuming coach is going to play more than six players. Yeah. And this this isn't going to be the Simons Trent. Missing. So cute. God, that was fun. It was scalping out there and vindicating my, my purchase in scalp. So barring Uh, that. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I mean, this is where obviously where the Nurkic depth thing hurts because if you're running Nurkic against Adams, you're feeling comfortable about that. And then if you're running Cantor against, Derlin's Noel, you're feeling comfortable about that. Like you've got 14 feet and 600 pounds of center to just bludgeon a team to death with. That's something that no team in the league can compensate for. So with Cantor sliding up, it makes things a little bit more difficult and it makes a cover like Nerlens Noel probably a little bit more different for uh, Portland to scheme against. Uh, also, you've got the addition of Markeith Morris. Um, and then there's this, Here's here's the problem, or not so the problem. I think the question the Blazers have to answer: Seth Curry is clearly a valuable player and is is playing the best basketball of his of his Portland career in this season. Um, how do you get him on the floor, and how long can you keep him on the floor for? Um, Dennis Schroeder has has been pretty good for the Thunder this year, uh, and he again he's another guy who had a very very good game against the Blazers and pretty much helped secure a win against them. Um, you don't think t- Turner would come in and occupy Schroeder? I, I think they're the, and it's not necessarily about Schroeder. It's, it's about getting Seth on the floor because every minute Seth's on the floor, it's, it's highly likely that Dame or CJ are not. So how, how many minutes can you get him on the floor? How many minutes is, is Stotts willing to give him to sacrifice Dame and CJ and to get Dame and CJ rest? And I'm not, I'm, I'm in favor of getting Curry on the floor, but I don't know how well or how much Portland is going to be able to do that. So I think that kind of diminishes his role a little bit. So I think you're looking more at guys like Turner and Hood, especially against the Thunder because they are a bigger team. I mean, Jeremy Grant is not small. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, when he's out there with those guys, is not small. Um, just the guys that they throw out there, uh, and I really, I don't see their rotation going past eight, maybe nine. You don't see Portland's or no. OKC's? OKC's. I mean, you look at um, who they've played post-All-Star break, and guys getting more than 10 minutes are 10 guys right now. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that either Abdel Nader or Ray Felton's minutes get cut down, and it gets down to eight or nine guys. And we've all seen that Westbrook and George are absolute horses. I mean, in the regular season post-All-Star break, they're averaging 38 and 39 minutes. Like those those guys are gonna go all night long. And you're gonna see a healthy dose probably of Jeremy Grant and Steven Adams. So that really only leaves opportunity for Schroeder to kind of come in and replace either one of those guys between Westbrook and Grant, and then uh Ferguson out there with the uh the rest of the lineup. So you then Barkeith Morris will kind of pick and choose his spot. So the Blazers bench is gonna be spending time out there against a lot of starters. And that that's gonna be a, a, a tough thing for them to overcome, I think. How do you think that um zach collins 
<laughs> I hear I hear that deep inhalation. It's, it's it's not about whether he's good, bad, or otherwise. I there's not a lot of chance I think I see for him to really get on the floor in this series. I mean, so it's going to be Cantor forty eight minutes a night, or I mean, is I, Myers going to play? I think if if push comes to you shove, think they need the just the bulk of Myers in there. Yeah, and, and I why think not Collins as a four? I think it, that's the opportunity. I think that it, that is there. And but if any if the if what Sots has done over the past is any indication, he's going to trust the the more veteran guys, and he'll play Chief there, and I think he will even slide up Harkless there. I think Jake and Zach will have a role in this series, but I think both of them are going to be severely diminished. Hmm. Uh, um, I just I don't see. I mean, we we saw in the Laker game. Uh, Zach got yanked pretty quick. Um, and when, when things mattered, right. So just that accompanied with what I've seen from him over the past couple of weeks and how the leash has been very, very short. I don't, I don't necessarily believe he's going to have the opportunity. Could he be impactful? Certainly. Um, Markeith Morris is a guy that I think Alfred Camino and Amoris Harkos can handle just fine. Um, is Collins going to be ready for, and this isn't necessarily about Morris as, as the, as a, a more talented player, just as a more heady veteran with, with savvy playoff experience. Like this is, I think this is where he's going to have to cut his teeth. I think he's going to have an opportunity to get out there Collins, but I think that leash is going to be very, very, very short. And will that, that short leash impact how aggressive he plays. Cause we've seen him in the past when he's allowed to make a mistake or two, but be aggressive, get underneath guys' skin. I mean, th- that opportunity is there. Uh, I would no- nobody would love more than anything to see Zach just get Russ wild up to the level that he did with OKC or yeah, with uh, Golden that, State. That was, uh, <laughs> that was pretty valuable. <laughs> His, uh, I think Collins has some intangibles um, that uh, could be very beneficial in a game like this. I just think that a, a guy like Collins and a guy like Harkless, this is a opportunity for them to really show out. And I would love to see one or both of them just uh, turn it on. I think those two, I Harkless don't know if I call them my X factors. But Harkless has been playing so well, and I want to see him continue that because he's been so consistent these last several weeks, um, and he's been so present. He's been so active, and and I just think that I just remember back to you know that it was ultimately a pretty miserable series against the Grizzlies several years ago. But it was when the game that him in like Myers came out, you know. Um, you know, that maybe it's possible that Collins may have a series like that. Where, oh, it's, cer- it's certainly possible. Because he's kind of a, you know, he's he's aggressive and he doesn't like to lose and he can be real fierce and he can get that edge to him. And here's um, the thing. Being an a-hole is an actual intangible thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, we've if you've listened to this pod for any period of time, you've heard me lament the fact that the Blazers don't have enough of those guys on the floor. Like, if Zach can get out well, there. There's your guy. And be a consistent defender, stretch the floor. He has to hit a shot. He has to hold on to the ball, but also rile guys up on the other team. And we all know it's a short trip. There, there are plenty of guys out there. And even PG to an extent can, can get rattled. Um, not necessarily by the, by the moment, but by other players. And if he can do that, if Zach can get out there and do that, that will be a valuable commodity in the playoffs. 
And if he can just hold on to the ball, like somebody that's the other thing he's got. Give him some of that chalk. Does he not? I mean, (laughs) the chalk is okay, right? Stick him. Yeah, yeah, the you can do the the talcum powder is fair game. All that stuff's fair game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, not baseball, right? Where you can't like put stuff on, like I tie your hands. (laughs) There, I mean, he just like he's in the right place. He grabs it, and I, I don't know if his hands are just small. They just like haven't grown or whatever. But I just, if he can just hang on to that ball, he could be so much more valuable. Um. So yeah, that's that is my hope that Mo Harkless shows out and that uh, Zach Collins holds on to the ball. Do you have any last thoughts or things that you're hoping at least you know in the first couple of games that we're going to see somebody finding a way to slow down Paul George? <laughs> like, because that realistically, I think everything else for the most part is kind of a push. But where OKC just beats the hell out of the Blazers is, is that matchup. Mo and, and Chief just haven't had an answer for him, and that's not a shot at those guys. Right? No, he's he, that good. He has just been a nightmare for that for those two guys. I mean, his low game was 32, and he had 32, 14, and 6. Um, the other factor here is keeping these guys the hell off the free throw line. PG's averaging 15 a game in their four matchups. If you can slow down the pace and limit their effectiveness and also stay out of foul trouble and not put these guys in line, which is a tall, tall task because PG getting downhill, Russ getting downhill – there's a reason why these guys have done what they've done this season. They're they're both guys that get up 20 plus shots and they're both guys that get 10 plus free throw attempts. What does that equal? Yeah. 20 plus point per game scores that can go for 50 on you and both. And he did it against Portland in one game can pack the box score and get triple doubles on you. And the, the thing is you've got to limit how aggressive they can be and be rewarded with the free throws. But the way Portland plays it seems like there's always some guy is just going to go off and then they're going to concentrate and like there's one guy that's got to beat you and everybody else we're going to guard and I just feel like that's going to be Paul George again Paul George is just going to keep getting 50 and they if they can just keep everybody else from scoring they'll have a chance that just seems like how they do defend I would almost like to see everybody else beat them play Russ single coverage when you can Send send help, overload everything to Paul George. Because Paul George is a guy who can shoot over the top of you. Like when he gets hot, like you know, the thing the difference between it's superstars between Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Yes, Westbrook's a, uh, a Hall of Famer. Like he's he's a dominant force. But very, very rarely does he shoot them into a win. Mm-hmm. He he wins them he games works by his way. They're them into yes, a win. Exactly. <laughs> he hustles his way. He, he them dunks into a win. them to a win. He assists them to a win. Very rarely does a Russell Westbrook shoot you into a win. Paul George will shoot them into a win. I would love, love to see the floor overloaded to Paul George. Send help. Send a double on the drive. Make them make Paul George be a bit more of a creator. I mean, he he had ten assists in the game. He, he can do it. Um, but I would like to be if, – if you're going to lose, go down getting beat by Deontay Burton again, by <laughs> Abdel Nader, by Markeith Morris, by Terrence Ferguson. Let those guys be the, the, the keys to victory. Take everything you can away from Paul George and Russell Westbrook. I know it's like, oh, yeah, sure, let's do that. It's incredibly difficult. But that's what I would like to see. And, I, and if the Blazers are going to go down, go down swinging. They're going to win on the backs of Ennis Cantor's uh, putbacks and offensive rebounds. He's going to really step it up in that department, I think. I know it's a tough order because he's going to be playing against Steven Adams. 
but I think I think he's going to be able to do it, and I think it's going to I think that's going to be the X factor. I got I have like twelve X factors of this game. See, this series is already going to be more fun. It's already more fun to me than the one against that would have been against the Utah Jazz. So everything's working out just perfect. Because think how great it's going to be when the Blazers do come back and beat them in the playoffs after having been swept in the regular season. We got them right where we want them, is what I'm saying. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still not convinced the Blazers can pull this off. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they did, because I think so there you're is saying there's a chance. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, gi- I'm giving you the meme. <laughs> I'm saying that there is a chance here. Um, I just I need to see Paul George and how healthy he is. I think that that's a big determining factor because he looked awful healthy as he helped send Houston to the four seed the other night. Right. He finally got his he's finally getting his um last second shots or to fall. Uh, his yeah. yeah, his buzzer beaters the fall this year. Yeah. Well, hopefully he's used up all his allotment of buzzer beaters this year. Um I think the Blazers have a good chance. I am not making predictions because you know I don't make predictions, but I am uh I do think that they have a better than decent good chance of winning the series. That's as far as I'll say. Do you have any predictions you want to make or are you I I see this going Did at you least. you run the numbers? What do the numbers say, Dan? Nah, I, I, that's, what what I, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Oh, you don't uh, give it away. No, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so Yay. next time we talk, you'll be able to – you will have seen a little bit and you'll be able to tell us what you think – how the, the series is going to go. Yeah, and by that time, it'll only be at least a game in the books. So my right. numbers will probably look a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should wrap it up here. Yep. Uh, we'll keep it short, and uh, we will be back probably our regularly scheduled uh, podcast on Monday. Things are just a little wacky with the uh, playoffs and with our opportunity to talk to Greg. Um, thank you, uh, Greg Anthony, uh, if you're listening to this, for joining us <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, it was it was so neat to talk to him and also to hear his insights about just kind of what it's like preparing. Absolutely. For- uh, for the uh, playoffs and hopefully all of the Blazers are now in uh, their bunkers looking at their, um, you know, giant books uh, or I guess iPads full of all of the plays mm-hmm. of, the, <laughs> of the Oklahoma City Thunder. All right, Tara, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and I'll wrap us up. Okay, well, I can be found at TCB Biggs. You can also listen to the Hoops and po- Talks podcast in the Blazers Edge podcast feed. Again, with things up in the air with final or with the playoffs happening, um, we're delaying our uh, what episode, but we may have a bonus one coming out soon. So just go ahead and subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast. So whenever one of our podcasts comes out, you'll be able to find it. And that'll about do it for me. All right. Thank you, Tara. You can find me on NBC Sports Northwest before and after every game. Uh, With the coverage switching up, uh, we will probably and most likely be the hour-long lead-in and hour-long lead-out right after the game on NBC Sports Northwest with Joe, Simon, Shane Brennan, and myself. Uh, I think there's a watch party coming up. I'm still getting waiting for confirmation on that. Otherwise, you can find me on all of your social media at DMarang. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up now because I have to run out and go watch Greg Anthony's kid, Cole Anthony, play some sweet shooty hoops at the Hoop Summit. Have fun. Woohoo! Thanks for listening. Bye.